Thanks for listening to Parkview on the Go. I'm Nathan, one of the pastors at Parkview, and I want to remind you to do a couple of things. First, subscribe to this podcast so you know immediately when the next episode gets released. And second, leave us a rating and a review. By doing that, you actually make it easier for this content to make it in front of all sorts of people who need to hear about God's love for them. Uh, Thanks for doing that in advance. And I just want to say that we've been hearing some amazing stories from those of you who are taking this Be the Church stuff seriously. Uh, One Parkview family decided to do Summer Jam, which is our version of Vacation Bible School. They decided to do Summer Jam in their backyard for some kids in their neighborhood. And one of the families they invited were self-proclaimed atheists whose kids had absolutely no experience with church. And with hesitation, they said yes, and they allowed their kids to attend Summer Jam in this family's backyard to learn about God's love for them. And just telling you this story gives me goosebumps. It's so awesome. And by the end of the week, the Parkview family asked the other parents if it'd be okay to give their kids a Bible. And with absolutely no hesitation this time, they said yes. And with that, this self-proclaimed atheist family received God's word into their home, all because an imperfect, messy person like you and me decided that they were going to be the church where they're planted. And so to that Parkview family and to the hundreds of other households around the country who are finding creative ways to connect with their neighbors and serve their community, keep it up. Uh, God sees you and he is proud of what you're doing. And we'd also love to hear about what God is up to in your neighborhood. So email me at online at parkviewchurch.com to let me know. And one last thing, to all of our parents with young kids who live in Chicagoland, we're excited to announce that our very own daycare is opening its doors at the Orland Park campus on September 8th. Check out parkviewchurch.com slash daycare if you'd like to take advantage of that or if you just want some more information. On this episode, Pastor Tim is continuing our teaching series called Rebuild. And just like I felt during the other sermons in this series, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, I'm excited for you and about the things we are all going to learn from the story of an amazing man named Nehemiah. Thanks again for tuning in to Parkview on the Go. Love you.
just one word You calm the storm that surrounds me Just one word The darkness has to retreat Just one touch I feel the presence of heaven Just one touch My eyes were open to see My heart can't help but believe There's nothing that our God can't do There's not a mountain that He can't move Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can't do Just one word You hear what's broken inside me Just one word And you revive every dream Oh, just one touch Let faith arise, 
Hey everybody, welcome back. This is week three of Nehemiah. Um, and here is your COVID thought for the day. It may take a village to raise a child, but it's going to take a vineyard to homeschool one. Can you feel me? We're, we're trying to have fun in the middle of all this stuff, but uh, we're going to have to rebuild. And that's what we're talking about with the story, the Old Testament character of Nehemiah. It's a story about rebuilding. It's a story about uh, rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, which is the, the city within the city, because God wanted us to have a church that was within the city that the salvation of the world all came from. He said, I want you to be the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That city within in a city. Well, but PT, how can we do that if we can't meet at our church? I, I, I know, I get that more than you do, trust me. But they didn't have church buildings when Jesus said that either. And, and for hundreds of years, they didn't. They were just cities of light inside the city. And that's what Nehemiah is trying to do. It doesn't have to be in a building. And the problem is, in Nehemiah's case, is that there is no light. There is no city within the city, and he's trying to rebuild. And it's been 141 years since there's been one there. And Nehemiah gets this vision for the broken city. And he, go, he goes into three or four months of praying and fasting and asking God to give him insight about what he should do to make a difference. And then he gets permission from the king as well as resources from the king so, and, and asks if he can relocate to work on the city and the kingdom. All right, that's his vision. What is it for you? That's what we keep asking ourselves. What is it that you're going to need to rebuild along the way? Uh, if you're going to be a person that God uses, this is what we've talked about along the way. You've got to be somebody who cares, who prays, who's willing, who's prepared and who perseveres. Whether that's your, your marriage or your family or your business or, or, or the kingdom of God or whatever it is, the miracle is going to happen as soon as you step out of your comfort zone and say, God, I'm going to do whatever it is that you ask of me. Okay. Well, so why? Nehemiah's comment on this, why would God do that? Why, why would God make this happen? And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. We, we talked about this last week, okay? If God wants this to get done, he's going to make sure that it gets done. If God wants this to happen, he's going to make sure that it happens. Our job is to care and to pray and to be willing and to be prepared and to persevere and make sure that it happens. So how, how, how's anything going to happen, Tim? Well, the answer is God. It was God who granted his request. You want to look at anything that's good in my life? That's my answer. Oh, sure, I'm amazing, and all that, yeah. But seriously, it's just the gracious hand of God. Why is anything good in your life? It's just the gracious hand of God. Welcome to reality. So, let's go on, all right? Nehemiah, this is, this is going to be fun. Nehemiah shows up in Jerusalem after four months of praying and a two-month journey, and, and, and he kind of just sneaks in, to the city and hangs out for three days, okay? He's not trying to draw much attention to himself. He's just trying to check out what's going on, just reconnaissance mission, you know? He didn't just ride up in there and go, here I come to save the day. I mean, he, he, it wasn't his thing. He was just like, I'm coming in. I want to figure out what's going on. Thank you, Mighty Mouse. Again, with the patience thing and again with the planning, he wanted to figure out how to plan all this before he made a big announcement. For three days, he does that. After three days, 
he's ready to give his speech to the people who are in Jerusalem about the rebuilding. After all that, then I said to them, hey, you guys, you see the trouble we're in, right? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be a disgrace. These people have lived so long with the problem that they didn't even see it. Do you do that every once in a while, walk into your house and go, "Ah, that's been broken for a long time. But notice what Nehemiah says to them. He said, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. How the gates are burned and, and let's rebuild, right? Actually, he's probably never been to Jerusalem before. It's not his city. But when God makes it your city, it's your city. I can relate, okay? Chicago is not my city, but God made it our city. And one of the reasons the average church is not able to be a city of light is leadership. It's because a lot of pastors come and go. And the new pastor, you know, he comes in and he says, hey, let's rebuild the wall. And the people say, yeah, whatever. That's what the last guy said. And the guy before him, what was his name? Listen to me. When I say we, I mean we. There aren't very many people who've been working on this wall longer than me. There aren't very many people who have been through all five of our capital campaigns. We've had to build buildings and been asked to give five times a once-in-a-lifetime gift. There's, there's a few of you, but there's not a lot. So when I say we, I mean we. Also, I told them about the gracious hand of God upon me and what the king had said to me. Okay, always got to come back to, hey, you guys, I want to do this. I want to help you. I want to do it together. And don't forget, or maybe you don't know yet, the gracious hand of God has been upon this project. Wow. I could go off on that on a whole nother tangent. I mean, if you're new to Parkview, you're new online, wherever you're at, man, I'm telling you, the hand of God has been on this in so many ways. But he's trying to encourage the people that he's not calling them to do something that God has not already begun. And and this is so key. I, I, I would tell you that the future of this church is something that God has already begun. <laughs> I can tell you that because I've been through it. So I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how it's all going to work. But, but, but the future of this church is something that God has already begun. So when the people get fired up by the vision, and then they say, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work, okay? Good speech. Good we thing, good God thing. And then (laughs) we get to chapter three of Nehemiah. Have you been reading ahead yet? Because you ought to read ahead. If you've been reading ahead, you probably are like, oh, we're we're gonna skip chapter three, right? Because really all it contains is a bunch of names, right? But it's important to put it in the Bible. I mean, God put all these names in chapter three. You can go ahead and look on your app or whatever right now. He put all those names in there and God wouldn't waste his time if there wasn't a reason. So let me start into chapter three and let me tell you a little secret about Bible names, okay? Nobody knows how to pronounce them. I told you a few weeks ago that, you know, little secret about me, I have an earned doctorate in religion, but if I need to know what the Bible says about something, I Google it. 
I'm just going to tell you this. And you can look up the right way to pronounce these Old Testament names if you want to. And some Hebrew scholar will say, well, this is how you pronounce supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. But he doesn't really know. And nobody really cares anyway. So here's the trick. This me to you. If you ever are called upon to read a crazy Bible name in front of a bunch of other people, just say it however you want to and say it with confidence and everyone will think you are real smart, Clark. Just, just watch and learn. I'm going to do my professor voice. Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests, went to work to rebuild the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them, and the fish gate was rebuilt. I love the fish gate. Rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah, and they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Mashulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Mashazabalah, made repairs, and next to Zadok, the son of Bana, also made repairs. You see how I did that? Okay. And it, if you mess up, just, you know, keep going. And you get a few verses in, and, and, and I know you're like, okay, well, that was fun, but it feels like I'm reading the phone book because there are 32 verses with 30 names in it. But if we believe that the Bible is God-breathed, according to 2 Timothy, and everything is in here for a purpose, maybe we can preach from chapter 3. There's some really cool things in here that you need to see about teamwork, okay? Everybody is needed for the task. As you read chapter 3, you will find the phrase, next to him, 31 times. And you will find the phrase, they repaired, 41 times. The first thing you need to understand about doing a great work for God is that everybody is needed for the task. <laughs> Back in the day, 30 years ago, when it was just me and Vicki, our church secretary, I would unlock the building and set up chairs and change the toner and the copier because that was a thing and mow the grass and greet everyone and do the hospitals and the weddings and the funerals. And when the slide projector that we used to put the words on the screen would get stuck way up high in the auditorium, I would have to get out the 12 foot extension ladder and get up there and whack it so that it would move on. And if Denise was leading communion and we wanted to change the lighting, you know, for the ambiance, a little, I would go over to the wall and flip the breakers because we were too cheap to install actual switches for like years. I don't know why. So it would be like, so now we're going to turn our hearts to communion. Clack, 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 clack. Some of you are laughing right now. You were there. That's what happens in a smaller organization. Some of you are a part of that. You get that. But as the organization grows and gets a little bit bigger, it has to be about the team. Because if it's all about one player, the team is going to suffer. Uh, I remember when our oldest daughter, Rachel, played softball in third grade. It was not her favorite year or mine. Let's just say it, it wasn't her gift. But the team was undefeated because they had a great pitcher. That's all you needed in third grade girls softball. But, but the hard part was keeping the other girls' heads in the game mentally 
because they knew they were going to win. And they knew the other girl probably wasn't even going to get a hit. So they just walked out there and they're like kicking the dirt and they're chasing grasshoppers and they're bringing books out to read and, you know, painting their nails out there in right field. And that's the way it is in a lot of churches. It's just a few people doing the work and everybody else is painting their nails. This renewal project in Jerusalem that Nehemiah was leading was too big for one person to do or even to oversee. So there are 45 different sections that Nehemiah has assigned. And there's no way that Nehemiah could be at all of them all the time, right? So he had to move them out to other people. So he delegated that responsibility to people that he trusted. Some of you have come from a church where you held down one of the gates at your church. And you came here to Parkview or you're coming here to Parkview and you're thinking, well, this is a big church. They, they, don't, they don't need me here. I'm just going to sit and chill in the background. And some of, some of you are new and you want to be involved and you're like, do they need me? How can I be involved can I be involved from Canada where you're watching me right now? Heck yeah, you can. We're still figuring it all out, but we are going to need you. Because honestly, right now, we're not one church in three locations. We are one church in thousands of locations. And, and you need to be a part of that. We need you to be a part of that. The beautiful part about a large church is that you can pick your section and, you know, you're part of the wall and we can have specialized places where you can plug in. And if you think that Jesus is OK with you just hanging out while the city walls are coming down, you got another thing coming. Grab a brick, ladies and gentlemen. We have got a kingdom to build. The light of Jesus depends on us. Do you know that in our body there are 206 bones? There are 639 muscles of three different types. There are 25 billion red blood cells, 100,000 hairs on our scalp, or, or not, okay? We need the whole body to work together. Number two, there are many positions on the team, okay? Many positions on the team. The varied backgrounds of these workers as we go through here, and I'm not going to take you through the whole thing, but there are goldsmiths, there are princes and nobles and priests and merchants and masters and servants and, and Levites and officials and, and private individuals that are all working on this process all together. And, and, it, and it's men and women, okay? Can we just get over that? The church couldn't work without the faithful women. Listen to this verse. I love this. Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. Woohoo! I got three daughters. Yeah, you know what happens? Think about it. Shalom's a smart man. He had all the help he needed because if he had his daughters there, there were always going to be boys around as well. That was always my experience. Hey, Mr. Shalom, do you need some help over there? No one is insignificant. That's why God lists these names in here. These people are just normal folks. They showed up, they worked hard, they served God, and they made it into the Bible. The Bible came out and they're like, look, my name's in it. That's cool right there. I'm posting this on social media. Steve Martin, you know, the phone books are in, the phone books are in. I'm somebody. I mean, hey, is your name in the Bible? Because mine is. Two of the 66 books are named Timothy. Come on. 3% of the Bible books are named Timothy. If your name is John, you win. You have 6%. But I'm just saying that Timothy is a great baby name. 
okay? And the cool thing about chapter three is, is you know, that God is taking note of these people and he, and he knows our name and he knows what's going on. Which leads me to the third thing, it took cooperation. One of the brilliant leadership decisions Nehemiah made was to have everyone work on the section next to their town, on their own section of town. Okay, you're going to see 42 different working teams and they're all working throughout different neighborhoods of the city. But, but when you hear the word gate, those are different neighborhoods of the city. OK, so in our context, that would be like, uh, you know, one of our campuses, our small groups all over the world right now. This is my little area. I'm in New Lenox. Uh, I'm in I'm in Montreal. I'm in whatever. That's my gate. Some went to the Dragon Spring, some went to uh, the Tower of Ovens, some went to the Dung Gate, okay, think Green Bay. But Nehemiah recognized that the people are going to care more about where they live, and that's okay. Listen to this. Jedediah made repairs opposite his house. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashub made repairs in front of their house. And next to them, Azariah made repairs beside his house. Next to them, Meshulam made repairs opposite his living quarters. Do you see that? Why? Because if you know the enemy might come and attack, it, it, he, he, he might attack right next to your house, you would be sure to work extra hard on that place to make sure it's a quality job. It's brilliant leadership. But we still have to be working together. In the first five chapters of the book of Acts, it says they were of one accord ten times. Cooperation involves a willingness to place personal goals under group goals because that is the way, that's the conviction you have about recognizing that we're all one team. Nobody can work alone, okay? These are people who've had responsibilities to attend to, yet they're willing to set aside their personal agendas for the common goal of building the wall. When I tell you that we need to cooperate, it's not just in here. It's the big body of Christ too. God isn't building the kingdom with just part few. It took the whole church. Fourth thing is it took sacrifice. There were some people that didn't want to do it. Okay, The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Huh. Why not? Well, because they were nobles, I guess because they thought they were too good. Maybe they were threatened by Nehemiah. Maybe they, they didn't like the color of the wall. Maybe they didn't get their way. What, what, what group were they? The nobles, right? I mean, they, we're very important. We have a very important last name. We went to a very snooty college. We wear suits. We can't scrub toilets in a suit. We can't build a wall. I tell you what, the example of the Lord Jesus is God is willing to stoop. God is willing to get his hands dirty. God is willing to serve, and anyone who claims to be a Christian must follow in Jesus' footsteps. And the noble said, no, no, we're very, very important. One of the things I see in here is that people work together as a family. How many times does it say, this guy and his sons, this guy and his daughters, man, I wanna encourage you during this coronavirus time, this is a great time for you to be serving together and we will help you. We've got all kinds of resources on our website. Please check it out, how your ministry can happen together with your family, and we can build all of this together. There were three kinds of work in Nehemiah chapter three. There were some who did no work, some who did some work, and some who did enthusiastic work. So where are you? Two things I wanna ask you. Join an online group. Here is a link to get into a small group. 
I know some of you were doing it for a while and now you're not because it's summertime and I get it, but it's a weird summertime, you know? I mean, we're not doing the same things. Your kids don't have baseball practice. Go, jump in or jump back into an online group. And more importantly, like I said, we don't want to be 10,000 people in three locations. We want to be 10,000 people in 2,000 locations. Partviewchurch.com at home. Start your own group with your own friends and get together and do it. I mean, it's great when you do it by your yourself, that's fine. But if you've got people around you that you can get together with, do your social distancing and, and make it happen. Okay. What is it that you can do? What is it that you can work on together? And one last thing, I know what the nobles were afraid of. Okay. You know what they're afraid of? Chapter three, the Dungate, right? I made a, I made a joke about it earlier, but they call it the Dungate. They're not hiding it at this point. It was exactly what it sounded like. It, it was, you know, the sewer gate, okay? And, and, and it's like some of you are unfortunately looking for new jobs, right? I understand that. You've been on monster.com, you know, and all the other websites. I'm guessing that nobody put the word dung in the search engine, right? I mean, what's available under dung? No, nobody wants that job. But somebody had to do the dung gate. This is so fascinating. Listen to this. The dung gate was repaired by Malkia, son of some guy, ruler or something. He rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Malkia, all right? Who volunteers to do the dung gate? It says he was a ruler. He was a guy who was important. He was significant. Probably had an MBA. He was a smart guy who made good money. And he volunteered to do the dung gate because he realized he understood something of the humility that the nobles in chapter 3, verse 5, did not. Malkia's name actually means my king is Yahweh. I just want to say, God bless Malkia. His name will always be remembered. You have to understand that this was not a glamorous work we're talking about. Everybody loves the limelight. There's no limelight building a wall, period. But the dung gate, come on. Listen, we want you to use your gifts as God has given them to you. But all these names listed here, none of them had the spiritual gift of wall building. They weren't afraid to get their hands dirty. That's how the thing went. It says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is my encouragement. As we rebuild, we're going to need the teamwork. And here's our prayer. These are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting us favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. As always, we want to help you take a next step in your faith journey. Whether we've been a Christian for a long time or we're just starting out, we believe that we all have a step that we can take in our faith. And we'd love to help you with yours. And so at the very least, we'd love to have a conversation about what that could look like for you. So if that describes you in any way, go to parkviewchurch.com slash next steps and start that conversation with us. Now may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. God bless.